Let's read together 1 Samuel um, chapter 1. Again, I will give you the desires of my heart. That's what I feel that God has for us um, this morning. The, the theme that I, I see here is that God desires to bless and will bless um, His church. That's you this morning if you're a Christian. That as the Bible teaches that He, he is a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek Him, as we see that Hannah did. And there is the key thing. Wherever you are in your walk with God, and perhaps it's not a great place and you find yourself in a place of barrenness, I just want to just drop in there. The key theme is when a man or woman locks himself away and puts himself before the Lord, even if there's no words, as Hannah did in last week, the place to fruitfulness in God isn't an activity. It's actually the opposite. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And maybe for you this morning, you find yourself in a barren land and maybe you need to be, realize that that's something that you haven't been doing of late. And that's what I see here. He is a, re a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Lock yourself away from him. That's what I'm trying to say to you. That's what I see here. Hannah was barren. We see that. Her, her marriage was troublesome. Her future in her own eyes looked pretty empty. She sought the Lord like she never sought him before. And, and God turned it all around for her. And we saw that last week. But Hannah first had to rise up from the position that she found herself in and bow herself before the Lord. And that's the key. Amen. So let us just read together. First Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 12 this morning. As I said, I'm reading from the ESV, if you're following along this morning. As she, Hannah, continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. And Hannah was speaking in her heart, but only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman who is troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Verse 17, then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way, and she ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19, then, then they rose early in the morning, and they worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to the house, their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived, and she bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Amen. There we see the Lord give Hannah the desires of her heart. In 1 Samuel, it's a story of how God, you remember, takes ordinary people and uses them to do extraordinary things. That's you and I. He takes people like you and I. And I want to say that his hand is firmly upon your life today. Now, Hannah might have argued and said, well, his hand isn't too firmly upon my life at a time, but we got to see the end game. Hannah didn't. She had to travel, and you have to travel your path as I do. And, but what the Scripture teaches us very clearly is God's hand is very much upon our lives. And, and we see that with Hannah. Because God breaks into her barrenness and, 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 and the whole family and raises them up from the place of, of, of just death. And he does a new thing among them. 
both in them and then through them into the nation, the kingdom of Israel. So a first, just to help us this morning, if you're taking notes, the first point is this, what I see that is important for us to, 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 to reflect upon is that God uses adversaries to bring us to where he wants us. Now, that's a big statement. God uses adversaries, those people who are thorns in our flesh, to bring us to the place where he wants us to be. And I want to show you this today because remember Hannah's adversary, Peninnah, because year after year, Peninnah would taunt and, and mock Hannah as they were at the tabernacle. It was this very taunting, you see, that this thorn in the flesh that would cause Hannah to rise up and to seek God for her life in her own situation. Sometimes we need the jag to move, don't we? Sometimes we need to be so vexed are so offended by somebody that it actually causes us to rise up and put faith into our steps, steps into our faith. But God used Peninnah as an instrument to make Hannah stronger in her faith, to prepare her for the calling upon her life. Now, there's many examples of this in our own lives, but I have to go to Scripture, and I'm going to bring you an example from Scripture this morning. But, but know this, if there's somebody in your life at present, and they're really, really irritating you, or they're, 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 you just wonder why they're there, or why they seem to be doing harm to you, there's a chance that they are an instrument of God to take you out of your comfortable place, which we all love, and to put you to the place where he wants them. That's what, that's what I'm saying this morning. Now, think of Joseph in Genesis, who sought to comfort his brothers while they arrived in Egypt, starving, seeking salvation. And these very men, many years ago, sold him as a slave in a foreign land. These men, his brothers, tried to destroy him and the calling that God had placed upon his life. Now, then Joseph didn't understand. But looking back, Joseph could see that in them difficult days, that the hand of God, you see, was in it all. And I want to say to you this morning, in the authority of Scripture, if you're in a difficult place in your life, you need to know that God's in it. I don't say that as any sort of motivational. I say it because I see it in Scripture. And these are the times you will not sense it, you will not believe it, but you need to know, according to Scripture, if you're in a place that's a wilderness place and you just don't know where you are or how you got here, God's hand is upon your life. Because looking, looking back, Joseph seen that God was absolutely with him. But now, in, in this part of the story where Joseph stands, he's no longer in a pit. He's no longer in a prison cell. Do you know where he is? He's second in command over all of Egypt. You see? God had to cause affliction in his life to bring him to the place where he wanted him, where ultimately he would be a place of influence for the greater good of the gospel. And Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50 and verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. Isn't that wonderful? He knew that in his life there was adversaries, people who meant to do him harm. But when he got to the stage where God, the place where God wanted him to be, he realized that them very people who tried to harm him was God's instruments to bring him to the place where God wanted him. Now, I, don't, I know that's not a great story. <laughs> it's not something we want to say, amen, God. But at least it gives us understanding, doesn't it? All right, well, this is where I am. At least that makes sense. <clears throat> you know, in our days of distress, when our prayers have no words, it really is hard to see God 
in it all. But God does often use affliction to bring us to the very place he wants us to be. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans 8. We all know it. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. And God used Penina, an adversary, to send Hannah to the very place she had to go to, the prayer room, the place where she and nobody else could help but only God. And Hannah received that day, I want you to see this, in the place of prayer, something that she didn't have for many years. Maybe this is you this morning. She didn't have peace for her soul. She had lost it. And Hannah sought God. And in that that place, in that position, God began to move in her life. That's what Scripture tells us. It tells us that when bad comes our way, God has the the power, the, the ability to take it and turn it into good somehow. Now, this good, as far as I can see, even though I don't understand it all, and I wouldn't try to say that I do, what I do understand is this good that God turns our body into will always bring you and I closer to him, to the place just where he wants you to be in your life. That's what I see. He will turn your pain and your anguish around at the right time. And as we will see with Hannah, Laughter and joy will once again reside within your home, within your soul. Scripture teaches it. God's purposes for your life and my life will come to pass. And sometimes in order for that to come to pass, he will have to put somebody into our path who's a thorn in our flesh, a situation that just rubs us up the wrong way. Have you ever been in your Christian faith and you've been so angry at times that you wonder, are you even a Christian? Or you think, do I even want to be anymore? But somehow, some way, you come through the other side and there's a fire. There's a stronger rock beneath your feet. There's a, there's a greater assurance in your life. These are the things that God does. He causes us to, to be so shaken that when we find ourselves back in his hands that we become so strong again. And God's purposes will come to pass for your life. And it'll happen in ways that you never thought possible. And it all begins in the place of prayer for you and your God. Please don't miss that. I'm not saying come to the prayer meeting. I'm not saying, I'm saying you and I, there's times we just need to close the door. Throw the phone as far away as you can from you because I promise you it'll ring 10 times before you get the opening prayer. God uses adversaries to bring us where he wants us to be. The second point is God gives his people an assurance in these times that he is with them. I know these titles are big, but God gives his people an assurance that he is with them. In verse 17, if you notice, Eli blesses Hannah's prayer. In verse 18, Hannah receives a peace, if you like, an assurance from God. Now, now what you have to understand is, Hannah's prayers hadn't yet been realized. Her life is still very much the same after she prayed. Nothing's changed for her. But Hannah receives within her an assurance that God is with her and that things are and will change and are about to change. And then we read, you see, after her prayer, when nothing's changed but she's prayed, what does she say? Or we're told Hannah went out on her way and she began eating again. And her face was no longer downcast or sad or grieved, different translations. And what I see in that is that God gives his church an assurance 
that studies them in and through the day of afflictions. When our mind is going mad, when, when, when we think all the wrong things, when our heart is so deceitful to us and it doesn't no longer affirm us, there's, a, there's, a, there's an assurance deep within us that comes from the Spirit of God that steadies us and carries us and brings us through them times when our minds say all foolish things, when our hearts lie unto us. There's this deepening assurance that God gives to His church in the day of affliction. You will find that in your life if you look. See, our world can be falling apart, but yet within us, there's, a, there's like an anchor to the soul, isn't that it? An assurance that God is with us and firmly, His hand is firmly upon us. Now, Hannah sought the Lord. This is what happened. Her tears ceased. Her countenance lifted, and her appetite for the things of God returned. And God, I see, gave her an assurance that all will be well. Maybe just not today, but it will be well. And that wasn't words that somebody spoke in their life. It was that God spoke into her. And perhaps for you today, Christian, you're sitting here or you're listening to this, and that's exactly what you need in your life today an assurance again that God is with you, and in fact, His hand is firmly upon your life. You're going through something, and, and everything around you is, is telling you to run and to fix it yourself or to lock yourself away, as Elkanah did. You just need a peace and assurance. Well, you can receive that today. In fact, I, I pray that you will receive that today, that, church, we would speak over each of us, that something would shift within you this morning, that you would know that God is with you, that you would find that peace, that assurance, that your tears would go, and that joy would begin to flood back into your life again. Because that's what we see happen to Hannah here, that, that a peace would come upon your soul. And I pray that this morning in your mind, that an assurance of God would come upon you, that a renewed joy would rise up within each of you this morning, and a fresh hunger for life would come again. A fresh hunger for life. Remember that. Before I was saved, I didn't want to live anymore, 24. 24. And then God floods in and, and gives us a desire to live again, a new life. And I prayed you would have a fresh hunger for life again, if that's what you need. But above all, a hunger for God would come upon each of our lives. Amen, this morning. God uses adversaries to bring us where He wants us to be. He gives His people an assurance to bring them through them seasons. And then, this is one that I love, God rekindles our smoldering flax. He rekindles our smoldering flax. <clears throat> Verse 19, in the New Living Translation, I read from the ASV this morning, but the New Living Translation says this, the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Now, you could easily miss this. The entire family, after she had prayed, after she got this assurance, the entire family, yours might say, the family rose up or they rose up, but the, the NLT really catches this. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more, once more together. Here's what I want to say in this. Don't underestimate the power of a praying husband or a praying wife in a home, even if the other one isn't praying. Hannah prayed. Elkanah didn't. There's no record of him praying. Sometimes us men just find it difficult, don't we? We just put the things on her shoulder and we carry it. Hannah refused to give it over, or refused to do that, and she gave it over, and we see that Hannah prayed. And what I see is this, not only does God give Hannah an assurance with her prayer, but he rekindles the whole family's faith. It's wonderful. 
So say, the, the entire family, it says, in the NLT, got up together and worshipped the Lord once more. Hannah's praying affected her whole family. And that's something we need to be reminded about this morning. Your family could be, could be chaos this morning. It could be in every shape. And, and if you look, is there, is there somewhere or somebody in your home who's interceding, standing in the gap this morning? And, and that's what we can miss. And what I see in Scripture is that the man or woman who, who closes that door and seeks the Lord, the Lord will come and, and He will do a great work not only in them, but in their family. So if your husband isn't saved this morning, keep praying. If your wife isn't saved, well, keep praying. If your children are making poor choices or it's somewhat complicated in your home, bring it to the Lord. Now, that's what we see. Hannah prayed, the Lord entered their home once more. I want you to notice something today, because this is also important. When Hannah sought God, I understand, we, if you weren't here last week, Hannah didn't just do a prayer, a prayer in the way to work, and I do it all the time. Hannah was so broken, her, her voice, she had no words to say. She had no words to say. And sometimes we have to really pray. Remember I said that a few weeks ago, I, I prayed, but I really prayed. Sometimes our prayers don't really mean much. But when our house or our life is in such a place that we know that it's wrecked, there's nothing we can do, we will seek God. And Hannah sought God. But you know what I noticed here? Do you know whose name's never mentioned again after this? Peninnas. The adversary's name is never mentioned again when Hannah sought the Lord. Do you know what that tells me? Her adversary was silenced. Church, amen. The mocker in your life, the taunter in your life, the one that tells you you're of no worth, the one that reminds you of your mistakes, the one that speaks lies over your children's lives, can be silenced. But it's not by our strength nor by our might. It's not by our threats. You will go to church. You will read your Bible. We've done it all and I still do it yet. But there's something about that place when God moves in a home. When God moves in your heart, nobody needs to drag you to any meetings, I can promise you that. Penina's name is never mentioned again. When we cut prayer off of our lives as believers, we give the enemy a wee foothold to cause havoc in our home. And we saw that with Elkanah. The adversary caused great havoc in his home. And perhaps you're living in that place this morning. There's havoc in your life. As a believer, there's havoc in your home. And as a result of years of this, perhaps, the fire within you has been reduced to nothing more but a, a mere smoldering flax of a flame. What should I do if times are like this is a question I want to present. <clears throat> and I asked this to the Lord as I was looking at this, well, that's okay, but what's the, what's the solution to the people? What do we do, God, really? And as if this voice was, well, what have you been reading this past few weeks? What have you been preaching this past few weeks? What did Hannah do to silence the affliction in her life, to see her family once more rise up and worship God together? She got home. She got before the Lord again. And I believe that's for, for many people this morning that you wonder why there's havoc, there's chaos. The adverse is causing chaos in your home and the one thing that you haven't thought about is that place where you close the door, 
and you pray for your family. You will notice, as I've noticed, when you go to do that, everybody will call at your house. Your phone will go. I wouldn't be surprised if the king himself calls someday. You see, that's the power of it. There, 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 there's just this thing. But I don't want to go too, bit, too deep in it because it's, it's legalism then. But sometimes the, the answer to a sore head is an aspirin. I'm one of them guys that takes at least two days of a sore head before Julian says, will you just cop on and take a tablet? I take the tablet and I'm great. But I had to do that two days because I am just so strong of a man. But sometimes we just need to say, you know something? I'm just going to bring this to God. And remember what I said last week? Some of your greatest prayers happen when you haven't one word to say. Remember that? Because the Holy Spirit prays for us. You need to get home. Now listen, if you want to get home today, if your life's in chaos, I'm going to give you a wee tip. Now the person who's hungry mightn't agree with this, but listen, get home straight away. Let the dinner rest for a few moments. I promise you, no one in this room is going to die of starvation. And you all look very trim and well, by the way. But none of us is going to die of starvation. Get home. Take a few moments. Get before him and watch what happens in your home. If that's for you this morning. Amen. When we pray, the enemy must go. And silenced. Now, I want to just press into that bit for one moment as we move on. James 4 and 7 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And here's what I see. When we are silent before God, he becomes distant to us. Not that he steps back, but he becomes distant to us. We've seen that with Elkanah a few weeks ago. God had become distant to him. He lived in a, in a godless world. We don't want to go back over it. But what I noticed about his life was he stopped seeking, he stopped believing, and he stopped functioning as a man of God. God had become so distant to this man's life. Listen, I want you to see this. You get used to living with the adversary causing havoc in his home. It's amazing how we can get used to the demonic and settle for less. If children, or we are living in our homes and our children are giving us jip, or we are in fear, I'm telling you, that's satanic. It's satanic. One of the major signs of the last days before Christ's coming is children being disobedient to their parents, being reckless. Now, I'm not talking about we toddlers. I see we toddlers here. Listen, they just rule the home till they get to a certain age. That's just the way it is. But you know what I'm saying. We can get used to living in war in our home, and that's not of the Lord. It's satanic. It kind of get used to this sort of thing. And it's funny how we can't get used to settle for less. But Hannah drew near to God and it all began to change. Now listen, the family each was touched by God through her prayers. The family altar was reopened, not because they said, let's pray again. God moved in their hearts. And it says, together they worshiped the next morning. Together. The mocking voice, the adversary was silenced and God rekindled the smoldering flax in her life. How do you know that, pastor? Well, verse 18 tells me. A new hunger came upon her. God began to pour in the, the oil and the wine over her wounds. Did anybody remember that old hymn? He poured in the oil and the wine, the, the kind that restoreth the soul. You see, it, it, there's something about when God steps in and he pours in the oil and the wine, it's, everything is fixed, you see. And all of a sudden we find the joy. And there's a love for God returns. And I see that with Hannah. There's a rekindling. A new fire in our love for God. 
God, if you're cold, or church, if you're cold this morning, know this and believe this and hold on to this, that God will fan into flame that fire within you. He will. He will not let you go out. There's, a, there's an old verse, not an old verse, there's a verse that I love that I haven't heard in many years, and I was reminded about it as I was studying this. Isaiah 42 and 3, a bruised reed, you know it? A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. Oh, there's a sermon or a few on that, but it just tells us, listen, when, you, when you're about to go out, when you feel that light's about to be snubbed, or you feel just so broken, he doesn't take you and throw you in the dump. He doesn't just go to God and put your flame out. He, he rekindles, you see. That's what God does for you in the church. Now, Ephesians 4 warns the church now. I'm not going into this, but I'm going to mention it. And Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Now, remember Elkanah. He, he allowed strange fires into his home. And let, let me read uh, James, 8, or James 4, 8 in, in total to you. So it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see? Now, there, there's a whole various of ways I could go about presenting this. Some of them might be helpful and some of them might not be, but here's what I'm going to simply say. When you draw near to God, when we draw near to God, our hands become clean again because we get fresh conviction. Honesty begins to recite. Our hearts become pure again, and perhaps bitterness or resentment begins to leave us. Our mind becomes steadfast again upon the Lord, and perfect peace is given to us, and a fresh fire rises up with us, because we need to cleanse things in our life. So look, we're going to leave that there. God rekindles our smoldering flax when we seek Him. Then God gives us our title today, the desires of our hearts. Verse 19, the entire family got up early the next morning, went to worship the Lord once more. They returned home to Ramah. While Ankenna slept with, his, with Hannah, his wife, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. God wants to give you, church, the desires of your hearts. Some of you need to be reminded about that. You're so downtrodden in your spirit, perhaps, this morning. Christian, regardless of where you are, if you have desires in your heart, God wants to give you these desires. Hannah knew that God had more for her, and she was destined to bring this boy into the world who would go on to serve in God's kingdom. That was her heart's desire, and God gave her that day the desires of her heart. So I want to just say this, Christian, hold on to the desires of your heart, them things that God has given you them dreams, them, them desires, them passions. You know that God has more for you, but hold on to them. Don't let them go and don't let them slip to the back burner. Don't give up from pursuing your calling was something that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Keep giving on to the Lord and giving back to the Lord and live for him. And that's what Hannah did. She gave back on to the Lord. Now, I want to say this. No one can outgive the Lord, but the Bible tells us so. And the Lord is no man's debtor. Hannah would give Samuel her first and only child, back onto the Lord, as she promised in her vow. And God, in return, listen, would give back onto Hannah fivefold. Don't mistake this for prosperity preaching. This is gospel preaching, preaching of truth. God knows our hearts and he weighs them. You sow a hundred pound expecting five, you get a great shock. And God returned onto Hannah fivefold. 
And Hannah then would go on to have three sons and two daughters. In total, Hannah would have six children. God bless her. That's what happens, you see, when we get back onto the Lord. He outgives us in ways that we never, ever dreamt or thought possible. He gives us the desires of our heart. Now, I want to close with this wee thought. Psalm 37, 5 says this. Trust him and he will act. Maybe you need somebody to act for you today, to change the situation, the position. What are you trusting in or who are you relying on? The psalmist says, trust him and he will act. And I see this with Hannah. She trusted God with her pain, her sorrow and her, and her, and her adversaries, her affliction, sorry, and God acted on her behalf. And I want to encourage you today, Christian, because we're good at asking for stuff and saying about giving stuff, but there's stuff that you, many of you don't want to give away this morning. I want to encourage you to take all your sorrows, all your pains, all your disappointments, there's many of them in the room, and all your curves and give them all over to God. Because here's the thing, don't just give of God your time, your giftings, and your wealth, which is all biblical and good and honorable. But we're also told to give on to him your sorrows and your burdens and your disappointments, to hand them all over and let him take them from you. I want to say this. Sometimes we can find it hard to hand over our pain this morning. I know I'm speaking to, to people this morning. Sometimes we can find it just easier to hold on, to weep, to pray without words, and never to give it over to him. But you know what I want to say to you, and I'm speaking to myself, but God demands that we do. We sang it this morning. I was going to say by chance. It wasn't by chance. Because God's confirming, and I didn't text or ask for any of these songs or give any inklings, but we actually sang the, the words, Psalm 55, which I have this morning for us, to cast our burdens upon the Lord. Because He doesn't want us to carry our burdens. He doesn't want us to carry our disappointments and our afflictions. He wants to bring us to the place where He wants us to be. And sometimes in order for us to get there, we have to hand it over as Hannah did. She had to rise up, cast your burdens, and He will sustain you. You know what he says, the, next, the same verse? He will never permit the righteous to be moved, regardless of the adversary in your life. It, whatever it is, will never move you anywhere beyond where he is wanting you to go. Why? Because the Scripture says so. He doesn't permit you to be moved. Well, if you could only see what's happening in my life, well, it's God allowing it. Because his word says he doesn't permit you to be moved. Church, you're in his hands and you're safe. If you're being moved this morning, it's because God is moving you. His hand is upon your life, nothing else. Amen. He will never permit the righteous to be moved.